Welcome to Straw Hat Social Club, bringing you another side piece episode this week. I should probably write a better intro for side piece, but... That's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but today we're going to go to uh, a newer movie, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It's like the big series right now. It's kind of popping off. I guess we're going to just take a little break from the older nostalgia stuff and see what's like actually popular right now because i feel like we're really out of touch with that maybe a little out of our depth <laughs> but we'll get into it this episode um but as usual i'm todd your quote-unquote anime expert which just means i have more of a history with this stuff than you i guess joined by my wife becca how are you doing i'm good definitely a little low energy today because we had a <laughs> late night playing D with the homies like cool people yeah uh, but we'll see if we can bring it it was, a, it was a good campaign last night. Yeah. So let's talk about Jujutsu Kaisen. So this this movie, it was released in Japan in 2021, and it was released in America in 2022. The interesting thing about this movie is that, so in the manga, the very beginning of the manga has like these, they're like chapters 0 0.1, 0 0.2, and that's what covers this story. Uh, that's why why it's called Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It's basically a prequel to the main story. And from what I understand, those um, Zero chapters were kind of like a pilot for the series to kind of see how it was going to get received. And I guess it was received very well because this has become like an ongoing thing that, like I said, is very popular. Um, but it is interesting because this movie, it's only four chapters of manga that were adapted into an entire movie. And there are definitely some changes that were made to accommodate that, which we're going to get into when we talk about the story. I Generally, I think the changes are very positive. Okay. They kind of reflect some of the things that I don't like about Jujutsu Kaisen. Because just to say my history, I'm actually completely caught up with the manga. I've said it before, I'm really more of a manga reader than an anime watcher. I don't know if it's just easier time-wise to like fit in. I started reading it because I was finished with whatever it was I read before that and I was seeing like okay what's big right now and there's people at work I've talked to who are also like really into the series who are like the younger generation of anime weebs and uh so I got into it and I I really like the series it's definitely I can see why it's popular I'm a big fan um but this was our first time checking out the anime and figured it'd be a good idea to start with this because since it's a prequel you can kind of watch it standalone, and since you're not familiar with it at all, it's, I think it's a good introduction. But on that note, I think I already know the answer to this, but how familiar were you with the series when we got into the movie? Had you even heard of it before? I, I really don't even think I'd heard of it until you came home and were talking about it, because I think you had talked to somebody at work, yeah. and you told me, and then that's the only time I think I've ever heard the name. Yeah, I think we were both pretty out of touch with you know what the kids are watching these days um i don't know how else to say that to not sound super old well i uh, mean this is only gonna make us sound older but our niece knew more about jujitsu kaisen than oh, we right. did yeah. <laughs> but i have been trying to find more modern stuff more big releases and i have noticed it seems like nowadays everything is just being produced in the shows like there aren't as many standalone movies like there were when I was growing up like I still have a ton of stuff that I can pick from my childhood that we can cover on here but when it comes to recent stuff the only ones I've really seen they they tend to be more like slice of life 
type things, which isn't isn't bad. I I definitely think we next week might pick a movie like that. But it is interesting how that's shifted. I'm sure there's some kind of explanation that I'm just not familiar with the way the business has been going, but just something I noticed. So on that, why don't we just get right into the episode as a reminder. We cover art and animation, then we're going to talk about the story, and then give final thoughts. So let's get into it. So if we're going to talk about the animation, I think it's important to point out, first of all, that this was handled by MAPPA, who they also did the first season of the show and the second season that's airing right now. And MAPPA is a studio that should be familiar to a lot of people. For us, I think it's mostly Chainsaw Man. And I saw they also animated the final season of Attack on Titan. A lot of the stuff before that is stuff I'm not really familiar with. But they definitely have a reputation for providing like some of the best animation out there that like blends 2D and 3D stuff. I do want to say um, this might be kind of a hot take. I'm not <laughs> trying to be negative because I definitely I really enjoy Mappa's uh, style of animation. But I feel like their whole thing is it's not necessarily the best animation, but it is the most animation I've ever seen. That, that's fair. Like anytime that stuff starts popping off, they're just like a billion frames per second of animation where everything's moving. Like it almost feels like rotoscoping, like <laughs> that style of like way too much animation. Yeah. But I think it looks really cool. And uh, to me, the only downside, which I think is probably part of what makes it work and make it readable, is you lose a lot of detail. Like I feel like when it starts animating that way, things look more flat and like, I don't know how to describe it, uh, but it's because there's so much focus on the animation instead of the art, which probably helps make it more readable, like I said, but it's just an interesting observation, I guess. It's it's a unique part of this look to the style, you know? I mean, how do you feel about the animation quality here? I mean, it's not my favorite. Yeah. Like, if I'm being honest, it's not my favorite, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, yeah, I still I still really enjoyed the film. And I think I don't know if we're going to get into uh, character design and things like that. Yeah, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, let me just say this real quick before we dive off. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, yeah, I think we are definitely approaching this with the old person perspective, <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't know. I feel like I kind of tend to look at everything that way. Maybe that's just me. But this this was one of those things that I felt like the generational difference because especially with us watching a lot of older stuff recently it's it's a very different style when you have the hand-drawn stuff like that everything to, from like the the tone the temperature the uh just the style of it feels very different I don't even know how to describe it I don't know if you have better words for that um, but the computerized, like, very smooth, very clean look, it almost feels like it's missing, like, a kind of soul to it. Mm -hmm. um, and the the exchange is, like I said, like, the animation itself is just mind-blowing and super stylized. I still think it looks very, very cool, but it is a very different style than I guess I grew up with and what I'm used to. I mean, that's fair. Like, 
animation in general is consistently changing with the tools that we have available. Yeah. So I feel like in turn, those things are going to be, they're just going to be noticeable. And it also, like you said, it lends to the style as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's to, to each their own, you know, animator, artist, you know, how, how they want the show to look and feel for the tone of the show. So, yeah, I mean, and there's going to be trade-offs. Yeah. But in the end, it's like I said, I don't want to come off super negative. It's just my thoughts watching this. I think it's just, it's different and I still like it and appreciate it as much as the older stuff. It's just in a very different way. Mm -hmm. um, but what were you starting to say about character design? Um, I, and again, I, I don't want it to seem like we're shitting on it, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the character design for the students and stuff was a little lacking. No, really? And you weren't feeling the giant panda? No, hold on. Not that. No, <laughs> okay. the giant panda is fucking cool. Um, I just mean the style in general, like yeah. the art style in general for the characters to me seemed, it fell a little flat. But mm -hmm. what saved it was the monster design here, which I yeah, feel like cool. that is where the attention is really going, which it probably should. I mm -hmm. mean, I enjoyed the character design for the monsters so much. It like elevated the show for me yeah, even more because I was already getting into the story. I do think this, it falls a little into the trap that I noticed, which again, it seems to be even more prevalent nowadays is that a lot of character designs in anime can wind up looking really similar mm. um and we'll get into this a bit with the story but i did feel like it was throwing a ton of characters in here mm -hmm. that uh weren't really introduced i mean it's it's the nature of this thing because i should mention when this movie was released they did season one of the anime and then they released the movie and then they're doing season two so it's a little confusing because even though this takes place chronologically before everything, mm -hmm. it came out after the series. So I think people watching it were more familiar with the characters. But when they're throwing all these people in and you don't know who they are, like they do look kind of similar, except for certain certain ones like Gojo's character, I think is really distinct. He had oh, the yeah. bandages on his eyes. And even when his eyes are uncovered, like the color they used, because yeah. obviously you don't see that in the manga, like that really popped and looked yeah. really cool. Yeah, very, very good choice there with his eyes. Yeah, but yeah, I did. I did feel like with uh, the computer element to this art, one of the things I do like about the clean computer. <laughs> no. One of the things that I do like about this kind of uh, clean style that's using computers and everything is uh, you see a lot more like post-processing effects, like blur and like mm -hmm. glow on things and. It, it just makes it look like very refined, like very expensive. Um, <laughs> I think sure that's, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually one of the things I like the most because I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I think we've been seeing a lot of better stuff like Chainsaw Man where you have 3D models being animated to look like it's 2D animation. I'm generally not really into that, but when you're using it to do, like I said, all the post-processing stuff, I think that looks really good so i will say here that i actually do like the 3d computer generated uh, fucking alexa i do like the 3d computer god <laughs> fucking damn it, it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so i do like the 3d 
look with the style. I fucking swear this Alexa. So I do like the CGI models with the style of like a 2D animation. I actually am like a fan of that. I think it looks really cool. Only probably because I'm interested in trying that out myself with my own art. So seeing it, I think is really cool. So I, I actually do like those types of things. So as for, like you said, the polished look of everything, I actually, like, I'm on the fence about that. those types of things. Yeah. Um, I feel like when it's used correctly, and correctly is probably just, like, some figment of my imagination of how I think it should look. Yeah. I feel like when using blur and adding lighting and things like that, it should all lend to the artwork in like the same style almost. And I do see a juxtaposition of like, like there's there's different ways of mixing these tools. And it, actually, it, I wanna talk about One Piece. I've yeah. seen things like this in One Piece. You probably, I don't even know if you've noticed where they do, it's almost like photo bashing. So mm. sometimes with the ocean, if you notice, it's like a video of an ocean and then they, correct the colors so that it matches the colors in the anime and you can just barely tell. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. No, I haven't noticed. Yeah, it's it's really subtle and it's like things like that itch a really good part of my brain where I'm like, that looks really good. So like yeah. One Piece does that really well. So that's just an example of like mixing those tools together but like keeping them in the same style almost. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think the, the style, it fits something like this that's like very mm-hmm. action focused because that's Something I'll get into with uh, the story is that, yeah, this is a very action-focused, like, action-centric series. So it it does make sense to use a studio like MAPPA that is going to really focus on the motion and the choreography and just really make it pop and look like nothing else that's out there, you know? I think it really fits for this series, and it looks really good. I agree. It does look very good. I think I think that's such an important point is what MAPPA really seems to get down is the flow and the motion of everything, which I don't really see in other animes. Yeah. Like especially with like Chainsaw Man. Uh, it's very impressive. It's it's different, like we've been saying, but different doesn't mean bad, just different. Yep. But I think that's all I had to say about this category. Was there anything else you wanted to add? I mean, I could probably talk a little bit more about the monster designs. Oh, yeah, go for it. I mean, if I'm bringing in artist influences that they they remind me, but also, like, I'm a huge fan of, is, like, Junji Ito and Alex Party. Oh, yeah. And seeing, like, these types of monsters brings me back to that, like, inspiration I had, like, in high school, like, when I would see those types of things. Yeah. So I... I'm just all over this creature design here. I think it's really great. Well, it's cool because they're meant to be, since they're curses, they're supposed to be like these manifestations of anxieties and bad feelings and stuff. And you can see they're almost kind of amorphous, but they're very focused on a certain like feeling. Like it's hard to describe, you know, but you can tell by looking at them, like you can feel the anxiety, the depression, like all this negativity. Like they're just these blobs of, yeah. of evil emotion. And it, it does work and it looks like really creepy and weird. Yes. Yeah. So without like geeking out too hard over all of that, 
it, it just like pushes me further as an artist when I see animes like this pushing, you know, themselves like that. I want to get back into creature design and everything. And it's I, I really love when I come out of watching a film or, you know, anime or a TV show and just come out more inspired to make more art. And Jujutsu Kaisen is definitely one of those. And I definitely will be reading the manga, too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So with that, I think we can move on and talk about the story. So I was interested, and I think I asked when it was done, did you have any trouble following the story in this? I don't really think so. I, I think in the beginning, maybe I was a teeny bit lost, but I think yeah. I picked it up okay. Yeah, I was wondering that because watching it, I mean, obviously, since I've read all the manga, I didn't have any issues following it. I knew all the characters and what was going on, but it did feel like it wasn't spending a lot of time, especially toward the end, explaining a lot of the characters. And it was moving at like this really fast clip. And as I said, since this actually came out after the first season, it made me wonder how easy it was to watch knowing nothing about the series if you really were able to just watch it as like a standalone type thing. But sounds like you didn't have any issues with that. No, not at all. In fact, That's wa- good. yeah, watching this just made me ready to jump into the story on okay. both sides. Yeah, that's good. Anime and manga. Uh, I did notice what's interesting to point out, since I already, I already said that this was adapted from uh, only four chapters of the manga, they obviously had to pad it out a little bit to fit the runtime because it was like a two-hour movie. It seemed like most of the focus on that was actually on making it more melodramatic and like having a more like slice-of-life stuff with the characters because if I had to say like my biggest complaint about this series, which I I love the series, but it does feel like it is so focused on the action. It's like goes from one action set piece to another with very little downtime in the middle. And I mean, we're One Piece fans, (laughs) so we love having like all the time spent, you know, getting to know the characters, do the slice of life, have the action, have like six episodes in a row of celebrating, beating the bad guy. You know, I love having that kind of time to breathe with everyone and with the world. And uh, I'd say that's like my biggest complaint because I want to spend more time getting to know the characters and everything. But you don't get much of that from the manga. And I actually really liked that this movie spent more time with that. And it made me more hopeful that the anime does the same thing. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you, I, I don't even know, have you watched all of the anime or just read the manga? I've, been, I've only read the manga. I okay. haven't watched any of the anime. I wouldn't do that without you. Uh, I didn't know. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, very early on, it's just, it gets kind of emotional. It's like very melodramatic. The anime had to take some liberties to add this stuff. And I, I did see it was approved by the creator. I think the creator is aware of that shortcoming of the series, but it, it works out. It, it didn't feel like it was too much or unnecessary. It, it just added to it. But it also meant you had more time getting to know side characters and their relationships. And I think that stuff just worked out super well. It's like some of the best stuff in here, in my opinion, on top of, you know, the crazy MAPPA fight animations. <laughs> I did think it's funny. <laughs> you pointed something out when we were watching it. I think it was like an offhand comment that 
uh, there was a bunch of stuff that reminded you of My Hero. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's funny because right away I was like, ah, because I knew, like, the community that watches this would probably not like that oh, comparison. Oh, shit, really? But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, you're actually, <laughs> you're really on to something. Because, I mean, you have this this teacher who's, like, the most powerful in the world who <laughs> takes this interest in the students, kind of like someone named All Might. Um, you also have... Uh, a bad guy who instead of absorbing quirks he absorbs cursed spirits and uses those obviously just to focus on everyone having unique techniques you know the curse techniques as opposed to quirks that one is more like an anime trope it's not really a my hero thing but still yeah and then on top of that the main bad guy's whole thing is that they hate normal people who can't use curses or quirks like it does feel like oddly similar but again it's not a bad thing it's but really not and honestly i enjoyed it more knowing like from my it, mind yeah, it makes it easier up. to follow probably yeah i like it was an easy correlation for my mind and also i do feel like there is just a sprinkle of demon slayer in there as well am i gonna get attacked for that probably yes <laughs> There really is, though. Like, and it's not, it's for me, it's not bad because I love my hero and I love Demon Slayer. So something that combines two of those things, I love yeah. even more. It's it's just funny because I do think there are probably a lot of fans of this that consider like my hero and Demon Slayer like normie <laughs> anime shows. <laughs> so I'll probably be like, what the fuck? But it's true. Come on. Like, they're all good. I Whatever. Mean, OK, so let's talk about I, I'm dipping right back into the art thing. Yeah. There was mixed styles of art in this, which was very cool. And one of those was a Demon Slayer-like flame coming off of the sword. Oh, yeah. Which it did was look super, kind of similar. It was super cool, though. Like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with something being inspired yeah. by another. Like, I, I, can't, I don't speak for the artists. I don't know where their inspiration came from. But from what I've seen, mm -hmm. there are little elements, and I think it's nice. Yeah. I do, I do know that the artist is a big fan of Hunter x Hunter, okay. which I can see because I'm also a big fan of that. Um, but we'll probably talk about that later because you don't know anything about that series. No, I do not. It's very, the very good. The only thing I know is that the artist of Hunter x Hunter is married to the artist of Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah. I, did, <laughs> I saw that like pretty recently, and that's super <laughs> random. But that's cool. And it's funny considering how dark <laughs> that Hunter x Hunter is. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we make those comparisons. I do think Jujutsu Kaisen is like more, quote unquote, adult and more like political than something like My Hero or Demon Slayer, which is probably why I would like chafe at the fans to hear those comparisons. But it is what it is. Listen. <laughs> so so you did say that watching this made you interested in the series, though? Oh, 100 percent. Like, yeah. I can't wait to start reading the manga, and I can't wait till we jump into the anime. Like, I'm 100% yeah. a fan just from watching this. That's cool. I do really want to check the series out, especially since MAPPA did the animation. I want to see more of that. Because like I said, since it is something that's so focused on the fight scenes and the action, I think MAPPA was like the perfect studio to handle this. Yes, for sure. MAPPA, I can see why what they produce is so popular, because it just looks so cool. Yeah, one of the best in the game. <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's talk about the story. So, in the beginning of the story, I'm I'm gonna wind up 
kind of spoiling something in the series. It's not it's not like a big spoiler, but it's a cool surprise. I'll Uh-oh. G- listen. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say it right now, okay? Oh god. So this so this movie it focuses on this character uh Yuta who is like a teenage guy who is cursed by this this big like evil-looking spirit named Rika and the whole thing in the beginning is that this spirit is like super protective of him and so it winds up very violently killing some bullies in his school that were picking on him which gets the attention of Oh my god, I almost said the Soul Society. That's a bleach thing. It's it's <laughs> the like jujutsu, I don't know what it's called, like the big jujutsu organization. Okay. It gets their attention and they call for like this um this secret execution to kind of get rid of him because they see him as such a threat. But Gojo, this mystery character pops up and he takes an interest in Yuta and basically convinces them to stay this order of execution so that he can take him into the Jujutsu high school to teach him how to use his powers. I can see the political aspects there, you know, like that yeah. kind of makes sense. Well, the interactions between Gojo and like the powers that be and right. all the little ins and outs of that. Yeah. So like, you know, obviously instead of incarceration, just getting this person help. Yeah. And He's trying to reform. He, he definitely... Yeah. He's he's the kind of character. What one of the things I think is so interesting about Gojo, who is like to call him a fan favorite, would be big understatement. I think people <laughs> really love this character, but he's this you know super powerful person who he he seems like he has the power to basically do change the world, like and do whatever he wants with it. And he chooses instead to focus on you know the young up and coming students and usher in this next generation and everything. Which is really cool. But the the spoilery thing that I was going to mention is that Yuta is the focus of this whole movie. But when you get into the series, there is a completely different main character. He is not the main character. So it's this cool way of like setting him up because he is this important character. But in the series, it's like you're following these different people. And obviously, other characters are popping in. But it's like this weird transition that actually feels like this this fun surprise. But again, not not the biggest spoiler at this point. I mean, the series has been out for a while. No, you know? that doesn't seem like a spoiler. If anything, it makes me even more interested because I did not get that. I didn't know yeah. that he was not the main character. The actual main character is a super cool character, too. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, so after Yuta joins the school, and I did want to point out that Yuta, especially in the beginning, God, he felt so much like uh, Shinji. Yes. from Evangelion. Oh, it was yes, insane. Yes, talked about that, too. It was like everything... And it might have even been the same voice actor. I think that was what got me. Because he looks similar, he has a similar attitude, and I think it's the same voice actor. And it's just like... I For some reason, I didn't pick up on that in the manga. It feels like it, it's a different kind of portrayal in the anime. And that just really <laughs> stood out to me. But when he's brought into the school, he gets introduced to his three classmates, which I think are great characters. We got... Uh, Maki, the girl with the glasses, who's like very skilled with weapons. We have Inumaki, who only speaks in like sushi <laughs> ingredients, which you're very confused about. <laughs> I was at first. I had no idea what was going on, but when I knew, like when I caught yeah. on, I'm like, okay, that's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then the giant panda, <laughs> which yes. you were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 
And that never gets like super explained in this movie either, which is great. <laughs> yeah, he gets introduced to them and there's that tense moment where they're able to see Rika, his cursed spirit, and are just like, what is going on here? What are you doing here? And that's when we learn that Gojo is trying to teach him to tap into his cursed energy and control the spirit. Otherwise, you know, he's going to have to get executed. So the first thing that they do, um, they get sent on a mission to an elementary school. He gets paired up with Maki. And the whole thing is that they talk about how curses manifest in places where people have a lot of uh, memories and a lot of anxiety. So an elementary school mm -hmm. would probably be a place for that. And students had been missing, so they're sent in to figure out what's going on, take out the curses, and try to find these students, which is also like one of the ways the series can be kind of dark because they're straight up like, you know, dead or alive, you know, just figure out what happened to them. Mm. But we're introduced to the fact that they kind of put this big shroud over the area so they can operate in peace. And you get your first uh, taste of the action, which I thought was so funny, is when those spirits come out and Maki just runs in there and like obliterates them. That was when we go from like, normal animation <laughs> to all of a sudden like a billion frames a second and then back to normal animation. It was like, okay, I guess that's what we're in for here. And the whole thing is they, they find a cursed spirit that's like really massive and like swallows them. And Yuta has to deliberately call on Rika, like summon her to fight for him. And I think this is seen as like the first time he's able to successfully do that, which allows them to get free. But it also shows us how scary and powerful that this Rika spirit is. And I think after this is when we get a little bit of the backstory, which is that when he was a child, he had this this childhood friend, Rika, who died in this like horrible accident, which is portrayed in this very graphic manner. And she is like so attached to him because they had agreed to get married and she gave him this ring and everything. But she's so attached to him that it's like her spirit just glomps onto him what were you i know you had a pretty strong reaction to that death scene well yeah i mean so that scene absolutely destroyed me i it's pretty graphic it's pretty graphic and it's emotional as shit like yeah i hear these two little kids playing on a playground falling in love and they like exchange a promise ring and then she gets fucking hit by a car and it's fucking yeah. bloody and it's so sad and you can just see the trauma setting in this character's eyes yeah and you see those like cursed hands come out of the <laughs> ground and, like grab his ankles yeah it, yeah it's pretty creepy <laughs> but after that mission we start getting like the training montages and stuff he starts training with Maki how to use swords. And you could see that, uh, I don't know, it's like, it's a weird thing, this idea that he was just this normal kid and now it's like, oh, you have to train to be like a soldier to fight these cursed spirits or else we're gonna have to kill you. Like there is something to that that's like, it's an anime trope that just feels <laughs> like, oh, of course this is what happens, you know? But you can imagine being in that situation, like that is kind of <laughs> fucked up, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> like training child soldiers to do this work <laughs> for them. But he winds up going on another mission after that, because this is kind of where he's spending time with people and forming these relationships with the characters. So he gets sent on a mission with Inumaki, who's another really cool character, because he like covers up his mouth, only speaks in like the sushi ingredients. And you see why in this mission, like he is seen as a sorcerer who's so powerful, he can be 
specifically requested for missions, even though he's a student. And it's because his cursed power is that uh, anything that he says out loud, basically, he, he curses his target and it makes it happen to them. So if he says, like, fall, the person will just smash down into the ground, you know, which you can see how powerful that is. I think I think this also serves as an introduction to how varied that these like cursed techniques can be. And I, I don't remember how much they go into this in the scene, but it shows that there are certain techniques that are like passed down generationally. And this is like one of them. So it's like this big family technique that is really respected, you know, but it takes a toll on him. And I think that's a funny detail that he has to buy like the little cough medicine or throat <laughs> medicine stuff and that like recharges his power. But it's it's during this part they get attacked by this um, special grade cursed spirit that's like super powerful, like way beyond what they're expecting to run into. And it turns into this cool moment where Yuta has to like step up. And even though he's still an amateur, he at least like distracts it long enough that Inumaki's able to finish things off this is also when we get introduced to ghetto this guy he's like very anime style mysteriously in the background watching taking notice of utah um i don't know if you had any inkling about like what he was up to because he's very cryptically introduced like why he would be interested in utah i i will say at this part i was a little confused as to what his role was yeah i think it's deliberately kind of cryptic, like I said, but we get a proper introduction after this where he seems to be the leader of like this cult. And the whole thing is that people come in with their problems and he's able to see if they're possessed by a cursed spirit. And I don't know if you followed this, that he basically is able to absorb those cursed spirits like into his arsenal. So it's almost like this perfect setup for him to like farm cursed spirits and create this like giant backlog of them yeah that it's kind of fucked up <laughs> yeah especially because right after that because i think you even mentioned like oh so he helped her yeah. and then right after that he's like oh these fucking monkeys like you know he's talking <laughs> yeah. like super racist about yeah. regular humans so you get a very clear picture of his worldview and i think after that is when we start really getting an idea of what he's up to because he goes straight to the school and makes it clear that he first of all is trying to recruit Yuta, who like very quickly is just like, no, like, who are you? <laughs> like, I don't know what he expected out of that. But he, after that, drops the gauntlet in front of the members of the school that on uh, Christmas Eve, he's going to release a thousand cursed spirits on two different major Japanese cities, seemingly for the purpose of killing like non-sorcerers, like regular humans. And it's basically telling them, you better get ready to step up to defend these people if you care so much about them, you know? We learn eventually that this was all kind of a ruse, but when the, the time comes, and I mean, it jumps straight to that, which I was like, oh, okay. Like jumping right to the finale with mm -hmm. like an hour left. But it's because this is when like most of the action takes place. Because when he releases the spirits, the uh, Jujutsu people have to basically pull everybody out of the roster to go help, because this is like such a huge calamity including Gojo himself. And I don't know how you felt. It did feel to me when they showed that Yuta and Maki were left behind because they were, you know, students. It's seemingly like trying to protect them. But when they're left behind, and it's just the two of them by themselves. Did that feel to you at all like, 
That seems weird if you're trying to protect them to just leave them alone back there. Yeah, no, I found that weird too. I guess it did make sense that they didn't expect them to be in any danger, you know. But it does, it does, like Gojo, you see he's starting to like put stuff together in his head. Like you can see the gears turning as he's like learning about the situation. And I think the bad guys even look at him and they're like, oh shit. Like, is he already figuring it out? And I think it's because he realizes Ghetto isn't there. So you come to find out the the actual purpose of these attacks is to draw all the attention away from the school because Ghetto, who controls all these cursed spirits, when he notices Rika and how powerful of a cursed spirit she was, he realizes that if he can get her under his control, he would be free to enact like whatever plan he has because he would just be so powerful. And that's another element they build up is that it, it seems strange that Rika is so strong, like they don't understand why she's such a strong spear when she was just this normal girl. I think even before this, Yuta starts to wonder whether she cursed him or he cursed her, which plays in the story later. But this pretty quickly gets us to the final act, because this is when it's just a whole lot of action scenes, like random cursed spirits getting their asses whooped, you know. And we get to see Gojo in action a little bit, see why he's considered so powerful. But back at the school, um, Ghetto does roll up and starts fighting with them and like very quickly takes out Maki. We start to see how strong he is as a character as well, because he can just summon like endless strong cursed spirits. And when Gojo realizes what's happening, he sends Inumaki and Panda back to help him. And even they can't do anything to stop him. So the big finale has Yuta really coming to grips with his relationship with Rika. And for the sake of protecting everyone, he makes a deal to offer himself to Rika, like sacrificing himself, if she'll use her full powers to help him take down Ghetto. So it is cool that Yuta is able to take him down by himself, shows how powerful he is with Rika's help. And when Gojo comes back, there's like a scene with him and Ghetto reminiscing a bit because they were students together. I don't know if you picked up on that. Mm -hmm. I think Ghetto, like, he killed all these innocent civilians because he had some kind of change to happen, which doesn't really, it doesn't go into it right here, that created that disdain for, like, non-sorcerers, and that got him kicked out of the school. So Gojo has to kind of sadly execute him himself since they were friends. I guess he feels like he's responsible in some way. This is the part where I felt like things were kind of moving fast and we were giving a lot of like history, a lot of different characters popping up, but you weren't having trouble following all this? No, not really. I mean, there were times where I was a little confused, but it was like if I just waited a little longer, the story would pick up my questions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because I think early on, like I said, there's a lot of focus on the characters and creating relationships and everything. But then toward the end, it's like it just kicks in the high gear and is going like 100 miles an hour. I don't know. Maybe I just don't have enough of a zoomer brain to <laughs> I don't know if that's just where we're at nowadays with like got to have constant stuff happening. And well, I mean, they could have included a little bit of subway surfers at the bottom. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, to, just make it a little bit more. Holy shit. That would have made my brain explode. Um yeah, it already, it feels very ADD, but it's not bad. <laughs> no. Not in a bad way. 
But yeah, and like the big, the big final reveal is by offering himself as sacrifice to Rika. It winds up actually breaking the curse because uh, you realize, yes, he did actually curse Rika because he wasn't willing to let her go when she died. And by breaking the curse, he frees her, but also realizes that he had a... Like, the power came really from himself more than Rika, because I don't know if, again, if you caught this, it's revealed that him and Gojo actually share ancestry. I don't know if I picked up on that or not. I think they I moved... I think I did. They moved through it, like, pretty quickly. Yeah. But the idea is he he has, like, a similar kind of power as what Gojo has, which is, like, this limitless cursed energy so it's like this infinite amount of energy he can channel which is part of why he's so strong so yuta is able to take advantage of that and that's what like powered up rika i think it winds up being like a pretty good introduction to the series and like some of the systems and the characters and everything and you know also sets up his character because he does pop up later on in the series but yeah so you thought it was a good introduction to everything yeah, I think it was a perfect introduction. I mean, I'm definitely going to be reading the manga. I, I want to get into the anime. I think watching this was like the perfect way to get into it, for me at least. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. I wanted to see what the anime was about without jumping right into the series. And I think this was a, this was a good introduction because I saw I had to Google a lot to see, can you watch this? by itself because there's a lot of conflicting opinions like there are people who say oh you should watch up to this episode because then you'll be more familiar with the characters and everything but then since it's a prequel there were people saying no it's fine to watch by itself and i'm glad to hear that you thought it was easy enough to follow and and was enough to like pique your interest in the series yeah it did make me more interested in seeing the series and especially just seeing like the production values and everything so why don't we just get into our final thoughts and wrap it up? So overall, like I said, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I do want to watch this with you. So the fact that you're coming out of it so positive, it means that we'll probably watch it sooner rather than later. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like as I've gone through recording this episode, I have just been shrinking and becoming older and more <laughs> decrepit because I just I feel like I sound like this old man, like oh, this anime nowadays is so f- fast and flashy. <laughs> but I still I really liked it. It's just fun to point out I, I'm like at that age where when I think back of what I was watching when I was growing up, I mean, we're talking like 20 years ago, you know, it's, it's long enough to have this like really wide perspective and be able to very clearly see how things have changed and grown. And, you know, some of these things are good, some are bad. I think overall it's, it's good because we're able to see animation get pushed in this way that we've never seen before. Cause even when you look at stuff like Akira, that's uh, hand-drawn, there is a lot of magic to that that like that is always going to look really good but seeing what they're able to do with something like Jujutsu Kaisen um where it's this very different frenetic style to the animation there's still something to that that is really cool and I'm I'm happy to see I'm one of those people who I don't want to just keep watching 
the same things over and over and over again. Like I'm able to appreciate the stuff from back then and love it for what it is. But I really love seeing how things are evolving and changing nowadays too. And it's, it's really exciting. Again, since I think the early 3D animation stuff was so bad and so jarring. Like, I don't think we've gone into it at all in here, but I'm a huge Berserk fan. And there was an original anime from like 97 that is very much that like old school, hand-drawn, very warm, you know, like this, this very specific feeling to it. And then they redid it much later using 3D animation. And personally, I think it looks like shit. It looks so bad. <laughs> And when they tried to continue the, the story, it, it's just so cheap. Like, it feels like there are some studios using 3D animation to save money. And you can tell in the product because it just looks like ass. Like, I couldn't even get through it. So I like seeing studios like MAPPA that are probably a lot more expensive. Uh, but the the results, they're, they're using the technology to its fullest and really in, in the right ways, you know. And I want to see more of this going forward. I'm just glad we're past that like dark period, you know, where they were figuring it out. Well, I mean, I completely agree. I think the way things are going in animation right now, especially with all the AI stuff, which I'm hoping is going to not figure itself out, but get more regulated with all of these new tools and seeing studios like MAPPA control and use these tools to their fullest and actually understand what they how they lend themselves to the art is yeah. so important. I really feel like we're about to step into like a golden another golden age of a animation. And I think it's like right around the corner and seeing stuff like this makes me excited to see what's coming in the future. Totally. Cuz I I think anytime you have tools like this that are going to make the process easier, you would hope that they're used in like an additive kind of way to enhance um, what's being produced instead of just replacing it because it's easier or cheaper or faster. And I think there's definitely, there's a lot of care being done with this stuff. I'll point out since we are a One Piece podcast, mm -hmm. this is like super spoilery, so I'm going to talk very vaguely about it. I, okay. I know you just made a face. Yes. You could trust me. I'm trying so hard I know. to no, not no. get spoiled, and it's so hard with the internet. It's just when talking about the animation, um, the interesting thing about where it's going is there was this really huge moment in the One Piece anime recently, and it wasn't animated by MAPPA, but it was done in this similar style where it's like billions of frames of animation constantly moving, looks really insane. And there have been complaints about the readability when there is just like so much that's happening. It, it makes it clear why the, the detail and the style kind of goes down when you focus on this animation because it can just be so much to follow. Mm -hmm. So I think there is still like there is a lot of work to be done there to uh, really take advantage and make the most out of this kind of style. But it shows that it's not just an easy solution, you know, and not to like shit on what One Piece did, because I think it looks fucking fantastic. <laughs> I had to cheat and see some of it. <laughs> but it shows how it still is like this this complex issue that really is up to the artists to make the most out of it. Um, or else you have something like the berserk series that continued 
where it's using like repeated frames of animation and like uh Wait, are you talking about like budget cutting things like you can tell yeah it yeah. feels like that it feels like it feels like the 3d animation wound up hurting that production more than helping um so i see where you're going with this because i feel it too and we were having this conversation last night with our friends but about video games so that's true yeah so like you can tell when a studio or an artist or production puts time and passion and energy into a project and people see it like people aren't stupid yeah like we can tell when cuts were made to save money and you know to basically belittle the time and energy of an artist honestly yeah i think it's wrong when productions say oh we're gonna cut this because you know i i think i don't want to get into capitalism but (laughs) (laughs) but it really does suffer the art suffers and and people who love this stuff, they notice it instantly. They pick it up on it instantly. So if, you know, any production companies listening out there, we see it. We yeah. we pick up on it instantly. And if you want it to be a success, you have to really harvest and and take care of the time and energy of your artists and let them create. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking late stage capitalism <laughs> ruining our anime. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm happy to have stuff from like the 90s and and earlier that we can look back on and appreciate but i'm loving the evolution that's been happening uh in the genre i'm just glad they figured it out because like chainsaw man has a lot more of the 3d model stuff and i feel like it's still not a hundred percent there you know but it's it allows them to to capture so much different movement that it still just works and it makes it look so much more dynamic so I'm, I'm glad that we're getting there so anyway that was our way of dipping our toe into the newer stuff i hope we didn't come off <laughs> as like being too boomer in this one but i did i really liked it i mean like i said i was already a big fan of this series i'm completely caught up with the manga and i'm glad you're interested too so we can watch the series because i think yeah it's it's airing season two currently because this is doing the more traditional thing where it's like actual seasons instead of the one piece thing where it's just airing year long nonstop. <laughs> so is is the manga still ongoing? Yeah. Th- okay, that's awesome. Yep, it's still going. I don't really know how much longer it's going to go. I know I've heard that the artist is kind of over it (laughs) he's kind of understand that he's kind of trying to wrap things up so i don't know how many more arcs are left but i like that too i like when again i know this is very ironic coming from a (laughs) one piece fan but i like when things kind of have like a clear beginning middle end and they wrap it up and you can move on instead of just going forever for over a thousand episodes, you know. I only have room for one of those in my life. All right. <laughs> yeah, I really. That's what I'm trying to say. I can't. I can't take on another One Piece. <laughs> yes. Oh God. <laughs> but yeah. So, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, cover the series in some way on the podcast once we get around to watching it. But for now, this is a good intro, good way to to dip our toes into it and. I'm definitely going to be looking into some more modern stuff that we can watch as well before we get back to the older stuff. Because I know I I really want to do an episode on Akira, even though it makes me 
super nervous because that's like three hours long. <laughs> so I want to make sure we can condense that into a regular episode. So speaking of things that I want us to cover, I really would like to cover like a, a short season of like a slice of life anime. Yeah. Because there's a ton of those that I've watched on Crunchyroll that I really loved. And I would love yeah. to just talk about one of those because there, usually there's not a lot going on in the story, but it's just so pleasant. And the art is usually so yeah. great. I would love to cover something like that. No, that'd be nice because I think we we've been very focused on like shonen stuff, which is my fault, I'm sure. Because um, even though I I grew up on like Sailor Moon and stuff, I definitely have fallen into reading and engaging more with like shonen style. I don't really look at slice of life stuff, even though we've we've watched a few shows and I I really like them. They're very chill, very relaxing. I can see why people really <laughs> like those. Um, so I'd I'd be interested in seeing more of those. Maybe. The movie we do next week will be more in that kind of genre. Okay. That would make more sense. Um, but I think that was all I had to say this week. I don't know if you had any other thoughts. Nope. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go play some Texas Chainsaw Yes. Basket. Oh, my okay. God. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's that's it for this week's side piece. Um, we don't just do really old shit on the show. We try to do some new stuff, too. <laughs> Would still really love it if people could email us recommendations at strawhatsocialclub at gmail.com. If there's anything newer that's either movie, OVA, like really short series, something we can cover on side piece, you know, to break things up a bit. Yeah. If you're thinking about suggesting something, think about does it take a, a day to watch the whole series or yeah. does it take... A whole weekend does it take a couple of weeks if it takes a couple of weeks it's probably not gonna work for us we, yeah. we're watching one piece every week so only got time for one of those <laughs> all right be on why you plug the socials yes so along with uh emailing us your anime movies if you also want to talk to a uh, talk about how you got into anime and what that was like for you and maybe even where you live like what area are you from how is it perceived yeah. i'm so curious about it because we've been talking with a lot of our friends since we started this podcast about that topic and it's just so interesting to hear the parallels between where you grew up who your group of friends were how you discovered anime mm -hmm. so i'm just curious to hear those things so you can email us at straw hat social club at gmail.com or you can mm -hmm. find us at straw hat social club Everywhere. Yep. Except for X. Except for X. We don't okay. need that side. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for this week. I think next week we're going to do another side piece because we're, we're taking a mini break before we start the Arabasta saga in One Piece. But we'll be back with uh, Reverse Mountain in a couple weeks, and that'll kick us off. So catch us next time. We love all of you. <laughs> Uh, this is Straw Hat Social Club, and I'm Todd. I'm Becca. And we'll see you later. <laughs>